Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time your time not just to go back to school but to come back and move forward with purdue global purdue's online university for working adults start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu i'm dr sanjay gupta cnn's chief medical correspondent and this is chasing life three out of four u.s adults are considered overweight or have obesity 75 percent of americans dr fatima cody stanford Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a show where we reimagine the word citizen as a verb reclaim it from those who've weaponized it, and remind ourselves how to wield our collective power. I'm Baratunde. Like a healthy democracy, this show is stronger with your participation, and we have a number of ways for you to do that. In public, use the hashtag HowToCitizen when you post about the show on social media, and I'll share out some of your stories. To communicate with us directly, send feedback and ideas to comments at howtocitizen.com. And if you've taken the actions we recommend at the end of each episode, share those with us by emailing action at howtocitizen.com. We've been moved by what you shared from the episode so far and look forward to more and to building future episodes with you and your actions. Finally, what kind of podcast host would I be if I didn't ask you to rate and review the show? The fact that you're listening right now makes you very qualified to offer a legitimate and authentic rating or review. So please take a moment to do that. We appreciate you. 
Now a word on how we make this show. We record most of these shows live in Zoom with a studio audience, cameras on, chat room lit up. And we take questions from you for our guest. I'd love to have you join for a future taping. Visit HowToCitizen.com and join my email list for the invites and my amazing weekly emails. I'm the best emailer. While I love the live audience, don't worry. I'll catch up with just you on the other side of this conversation, where I'll give you some really specific ways to citizen for this episode. In the meantime, I'm going to hand the mic to myself as I set up the conversation with our amazing guest. COVID-19 is a truth serum, and whether we like it or not, it reveals the fragility of so many of our systems. Housing, policing, how many Zooms one human can take a day. I think the answer is four on that last one. One area of acute vulnerability that COVID has exposed is our access to food. We've got farmers burning crops and warehouses of strawberries rotting because we aren't in business as usual. We've seen the miles-long images of people going to food banks. But rising to these challenges are restaurants, chefs, and communities who are figuring out new ways to involve everyone in productively feeding ourselves and our neighbors. In this episode, we look at two approaches that exist largely outside the realm of government, but well within the realm of people power. Although they differ in several ways, both are anchored by people committed to local community action as the way to address the food crisis in America. I sat down with Chef Jose Andres to hear what he and his organization, World Central Kitchen, have learned about tapping into the resources and needs at the local level to help communities help themselves across the U.S. and around the world. But before we go global with Jose, I realized there was a model in my own backyard, right in Los Angeles. Back in July, a friend had texted me about something called the L.A. Community Fridge, a network of decentralized, independent refrigerators and pantries that provide food and vital supplies to communities through mutual aid. It may have started in New York City, but now these fridges are popping up all over the country. It's basically a set of public refrigerators, usually hosted by a local business like a grocery store, a restaurant, a bodega, and it's stocked used, and maintained by people in the neighborhood. And they coordinate by every means. They've got WhatsApp groups, Slack groups, conference calls, printed paper signs and forms. I sat down with two LA Community Fridge volunteers, Caitlin and Leanna, to learn more. I'm curious for each of you how you initially got involved in the community fridge project? I think I remember in June, I had some friends contact me and ask me if I wanted to be involved in this. They had seen the New York group uh, in our hearts, their community fridge efforts and been like, you know, we should do this here. LA is so dense with people. This is something we definitely need. And I had never really heard of community fridges before, but I was like, okay, I've got time. I'm in. Like, this seems like something that's relatively easy to do and it you know it's going to benefit so many people yeah so it's very um hyper local and community driven um 
I had mentioned that like when I came into the community, I was already kind of looking into restaurants, but people kind of come to us at any stage. Some people come to us after they've already set up a fridge and they've already picked a host and they've already used all the resources um, that have been built and taken it upon themselves to do all these things and get things set up. But I think that's kind of one of the main goals is to give everyone the resources they need so they can do whatever they're able to do. So if they want to hop in and they want to find a host and that's kind of like the amount that they're willing to put in, that's totally fine. And then as far as who's stocking them, we try to encourage folks whenever they start a fridge to get like a cohort of people who kind of agree to go buy the fridge at least every day to clean it, to keep an eye on it, to keep it stocked. And I feel like after the ball gets rolling with it and the community really adopts it, it kind of runs on its own to a certain extent. Of course, like things need to be cleaned and everything, but we have a slack behind the scenes where we're able to keep in touch with each other and kind of let each other know, like someone just reported that the fridge is really dirty. Can someone go hop over there and take a look at it? Take me through that very elementary step of getting one of these fridges going. We do have a lot of resources on our link tree um, about how to find potential hosts. I think we did make a fridge checklist like, oh, you want to start your own fridge to make it very easy for people because that is ultimately the goal is like we're not trying to do everything and oversee every fridge in L.A. It's like anyone can do this. It's definitely a collective effort. One of the common questions is like, well, how much does electricity cost? It costs about 30 bucks a month. And most of the hosts, I think all of our hosts are like paying that, you know, on their own. Most of them are like markets and restaurants. There are some anomalies there, the community centers and things like that. Are these all the same community? Are they distinct populations? What does the community around the community fridge look like? The goal is for it to be kind of like all things to all people, right, is for all of us to be able to use it and especially to get even more hyper focused from the word community, like neighborhood based. Um, So what does that neighborhood need? Like an unhoused person can't really use uncooked rice, but a small family might be able to use uncooked rice. And like, what is the community of people that that fridge is serving and how can we best serve those people? Yeah, the people who are in the Slack who are updating and stuff, there's like different channels for each fridge and we keep each other updated like, oh, you know, vegetables aren't really moving at this fridge, we'll redistribute it somewhere else or people will put it, food prep it so it's, you know, more of a grab and go kind of meal. But it's, you know, it's definitely a learning curve. And I think another thing is when someone gets something done, they bring it to the group. We have a weekly meeting every Monday and so you're kind of like, hey, I made this thing. What do you all think about it? How can it be better? What didn't I think of? It's just like what Leanna said, like you kind of just skip ahead and do the thing if you think people need it and then be very willing and open to accept feedback um, to make it the most usable for the most people. I'd love you to explain more of this term mutual aid as the model that you are using to deliver this service as opposed to operating a formal charity. What's the difference and Why have you chosen to model yours on this design of mutual aid? Um, Well, one of the things I think is actually kind of connected to hierarchy. Typically with charities, you have people with more money giving money to people who don't have the money. And so they're sort of controlling what they think other people want or making decisions for what they think other people want. And so that hierarchy and that power, it just never quite feels right. It doesn't quite feel like you're really servicing people and helping people in the way that they need. So one thing about the mutual aid 
the way that that's organized is the lack of hierarchy really helps with that. It kind of um, empowers you to take on the thing that you think needs to be done and to best service the folks who you're trying to help. I think another distinction, too, is that we don't collect any money. And I mean, this is like a fridge specific thing, but like the food is the currency. Like that is the thing that we're trying to empower folks with. So we actually try to like actively avoid anyone giving us any money because then it just becomes a different project. I think that just becomes a different type of organization. So whenever folks want to help, we're like, go get food and put it in a fridge. <laughs> That's the best way that you can possibly help with the fridges. Or sometimes we'll default to not asking for money in other ways. For example, if we need someone to help with maintenance with the fridges, we don't say like, hey, can you give us money? We need to repair some fridges. We say, hey, do you know how to repair a fridge? <laughs> and we get a bunch of folks in and they can help us with that. You cut out the middle party in this case money money yeah exactly <laughs> as, as the medium yeah, yeah. things get done right a lot more quickly yeah yeah i knew money was the problem i knew it i knew it the whole time <laughs> there's been some criticism of this model from people in the food justice community who see these fridges as not sustainable uh or as not truly meeting the needs of the people who are pulling from the fridge in the same way uh, and they read it still as a charitable model of those with more time or more resources maybe more access to Slack, uh, delivering unto people who don't. How do you respond to that criticism or other criticism you've received uh, of your approach? It's not only people who are on Slack, and I do think that there is a big need and they are feeding a lot of people. Um, there's a fridge that's set up pretty close to me and I was talking to one of the people who lives at the place that's hosting it. And she was saying that some cleaning ladies on their way to work will like deep clean the fridge like once or twice a week with their supplies and stuff and it's like they obviously are not on slack they're not on instagram they're probably not like in tune but it's like they're on the ground and they see it in front of them and they want to care and help the you know other members of their community so those are the people who are also leaving food but maybe taking something that they need you know it's give and take and i think it definitely benefits everyone and i want to see a lot of these fridges around because there's so much food, so much food waste, and everyone needs to eat. What has surprised each of you as you've become a part of this effort? One of the things that I found really surprising, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but exciting um, whenever we had first started the East Hollywood Fridge in July was the first few days, what you saw was a lot of people taking a lot of things because they're used to living in this scarcity mentality. I mean, if you I think we all we all sort of had this happen to us at the beginning of the pandemic where you went to the grocery store and you're like, I guess we're never eating beans ever again. Like you're just like, I guess there's just no more beans in the world. So, of course, as soon as they get beans, like you take way more than you need because you don't know when they're going to have that thing again, you know. Um, and so what was really exciting was after that first week of constantly really adamantly refilling the fridge it just sort of like created a flow and a s system to where you didn't see as many people like grabbing so many things because they trusted that something was going to be there the next day. So I wouldn't say that was surprising, but it was like very interesting and memorable connection to make in my own head, especially at the time of COVID when we were all kind of like experiencing that in different ways. So just this understanding that, you know, people take more than they need when they don't know how long they're going to have to need it, you know? Uh, I think something that's been surprising for me is just how many nice and sweet people live all over LA like 
whether it's people who help with the fridges or people who use the fridges and you run into it's so nice to just meet people and like have genuine conversations with people who care especially like in this weird time where you're only seeing people's eyes everyone's wearing a mask but yeah I, I love the just the little connections that you make and, and that surprised me because that's not something I thought would come along with this how have you managed conflict in operating this network of fridges we have these common resources these documents that are like this is our value statement and this is how we choose a host and we all agree upon those documents and so you sort of set these guidelines up front and empower people to work within those guidelines and of course if you feel like there's an issue with a certain guideline, then you bring it to the meeting. Um, but I think that that kind of helps move things along a little bit more quickly. So you wrote a constitution and then <laughs> strive to live up to it. Yes. In the same vein, how are you dealing with local authorities who may have different ideas about how to regulate these? We've had a few fridges that have had some of those issues. One, a few of them were cited by the city for health violations or just the city code. To me, it seems like police are just using anything to write it up because we had a fridge in Compton and it got shut down by authorities. They said it couldn't be out there. The violation was like leaving machinery that's broken outside. And obviously it's like plugged in, running, there's food in it. And then like they fought it and they ended up starting the fridge back up again. But then somebody cut the cord and it's like still sitting there empty but since it hasn't been running and it's sitting there empty which actually that is breaking you know the code they haven't been written up at all so it's to me it seems like police are picking and choosing or city you know officials are picking and choosing um but we have had to like remove a fridge because we don't want the businesses that are hosting to get cited obviously and in the example that liana gave my understanding is that Several different city officials at different levels interacted with the fridge. They all like didn't really speak to each other. So it definitely seems like there's an inconsistency and in kind of like what the discrepancy is there for sure. Um, but obviously food health and safety is very critical, which is why it is so critical to have a clean fridge all the time and to take dirty stuff out of it whenever you see dirty stuff in it. Um, and I just think that that really just comes with frequency. And I think the healthiest fridge is one where the food doesn't stay in it for longer than six hours anyway, which is kind of what the East Hollywood fridge is. It's like nothing's there for if it's there today, it will absolutely be gone tomorrow. Uh, what lessons would you share with someone who wants to work in their neighborhood for mutual aid? I feel like the biggest lesson that I've learned that kind of does connect to this is like the more people on hand, the more people who you have to help, the more connections you make, the easier uh, everything is. You don't want a few people overworking, putting so much time like if there's a lot of people, everything works more smoothly and there's a lot more support for maintaining the fridges and getting everything together. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, like Leanna said, we have a ton of resources that folks can use so they don't have to start from scratch. And I believe that we adopted some of those resources from New York as well. So I think we're all kind of like learning as we go and adapting as we go. But I think often um, when we have people come into the group, solutions to problems look like policing in a way or like trying to control a situation. It might be like, oh, people are abusing the fridge after hours. We should lock the fridge after hours. And so I think one thing I've learned just like as a human being is that how do you provide resources so that folks can have what they need? That's like literally what the whole fridge model is there for. So 
we're always kind of instead of saying like how do we cut this off how do we make boundaries around this we're always trying to make it bigger we're always trying to help people with what they need so we've had conversations about fridges being more than just fridges about people perhaps bringing like clothes to donate and things like that so rather than just immediately cutting it off and say okay we don't accept clothes saying like all right how do we make clothes work let's give this a shot let's put a clothing rack there let's see if people tend to it let's see how that works um so i think always defaulting what is the improv saying like always defaulting to yes and right it's like yes and it's a very like yes and and community um, to sort of get people what they need and see what the right solution is because it's kind of breaking a lot of rules to start. So like why create more rules when we could give people the things that they say that they need. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? 
You want a song. Of course. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The story of the local cleaning ladies regularly cleaning the community fridge in their neighborhood on the way to work, that struck a chord with me. That's a sign of ownership. They see value in these fridges, and they feel invested enough to contribute with their own time and skills. At the end of this episode, we'll share ways you can support or even start your own community fridge. But right now, let's go to our conversation with Chef Jose Andres. We are hungry. Can you take me back to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico? I was inside the FEMA headquarters in the room where it was supposed to be the room where it happens, where it was supposed to be deciding how many people were hungry, who was going to do it. And after listening, the powers to be uh, almost for an hour. I realized that was no plan. I realized that everybody was finger pointing at somebody else for responsibilities. Uh, I realized that everybody was trying used to do it together. I realized that many of these people, they didn't even move from that big convention center. And if you are not moving away from the convention center, how do you really know what's happening across the island? And that moment, I realized uh, we began already by then doing close to 10,000 meals a day. We never said no to anybody that asked for food. So that's why we went from 10 friends three days after the hurricane, uh, a whole bunch of chefs that they responded to my WhatsApp saying, I'm here. And the I'm here meant I'm here. Let's cook together. We went from 10 friends to more than 25,000 men and women volunteers, Puerto Ricans fed Puerto Ricans. We went from one kitchen to 26. We went from 1,000 meals the first day to 150,000 meals a day. Uh, we did almost 4 million meals even. We did millions more because we were able to give ideas to others about what to do. How does World Central Kitchen operate? And how different is that from some of these other organizations you mentioned, the Red Cross, FEMA. We are different because nothing is more powerful than the local community. Why? Because nobody knows best what the community needs. This mentality that the people coming from the outside and they are telling the locals what they need versus us shutting up and listening more to them what they really need. This is used one of the main difference that World Central Kitchen does. Obviously, in an emergency, people are shocked. Can be a hurricane, can be an earthquake, a typhoon, a fires. And yes, you need to come from the outside and trying to create certain systems uh, to start, in our case, feeding. We don't plan, we don't meet. We put boots on the ground and we start feeding. In the process of feeding, what really we are doing is gathering intelligence. In the process of feeding, what really we know 
It's what's happening one community at a time. In the process of feeding, locals began joining us. In the process of feeding, we create an army of goods. In the process of feeding, we have information that other people sitting down in the comfort of their headquarters don't have. And at the end, that's what we do. We put boots on the ground and we start providing food and water. In the process, we increase until there is no more need. In the process, we learn what other NGOs are doing. If it's others doing, we try to partner. If they don't want to partner, that's fine. We keep seeing so we don't leave anybody behind. And what we do better than anybody is that we go to the forgotten places, to the forgotten neighborhoods, where sometimes police tells you don't go there because it's too dangerous to go. And you know what I learned? That those places that they are too dangerous to go, you bring hope through food and water and you end playing with the kids' basketball. Or you end helping an elderly person move to a more safe location. And that those places that somehow they tell us they are dangerous because it's used, I don't know, a different part of town. You learn that there is no danger, that the only danger we face is not knowing people that live in our own cities and our own communities and not listening to their needs. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the size of the help needed? And if so, how did you work through that? Does the stress of a restaurant kitchen help you work through the stress of an overwhelming public need in the face of disaster? I think the moment that for me was crazy is when I saw the images of Katrina, and especially in the Superdome. And this is something like I've been playing uh, in my head. I wish I could go back in time, be there right before Katrina hit, not like we want to go through, and try to do more good to the people that suffer in an unnecessary way by not being ready for them. What happened in the Superdome alone was never supposed to happen. Many Americans alone in a stadium with no food, no water, no basic sanitation. Imagine if we were there, a group of cooks. You know what a stadium is? You know what an arena is? An arena, people have it wrong. It's not a music venue. It's not a sports venue. It's a gigantic restaurant that entertains with the sports and musicians. I just got to add, that's a very... uh chef-centric view of an arena. <laughs> I love it. And at the end of the day, if uh, we were able to do that, uh, to put all the food vendors up there, up and running, the, the food spots, I bring a few of my French chefs. We get some of the volunteers there. And we start organizing just by feeding people and bringing them water and hope. And then we bring everything else. But you see, the big problems, they have very simple solutions. Um, can you talk briefly about, like, what food is to you in terms of its connection to security, its connection to community? Um, why is food special? Well, food is special because we are highly attached to our mothers. And in a way, one of the things that creates this amazing bond beyond that she's been carrying all of us for nine months is that within hours of being born, our mother, our father, they are feeding us immediately. And this is a link that forever. Is not forgotten, even if we were highly unaware of the moment. If I could go back one second in my life, I would love to go and be aware the moment my mother fed me. This makes food being this kind of powerful way of saying food equals comfort. Food equals somebody that loves you. Food equals home. Food equals family. 
food equals safety. It's beyond the physical need. So that's why it's so important. We don't think deep enough about it, but I do believe that link. I wish I could prove the theory. And maybe one day we can, if we can travel back to the past. And at the end of the day, you think about it. Uh, unfortunately, more ways than one, uh, boys like me, we are the ones that are always giving praise for having the best restaurants and feeding our cities and the most luxurious food. But if you think for a second and you go around the world and you stop and you go to Mozambique or Haiti or Peru or, you know, you know who feeds the world? Women are who feeds the world. Not only because they feed us, all the mothers, when we're born. But beyond that, who is really feeding the world are always women. In every corner, in every street, they are the ones feeding the people of the world. So why food is important? Briette Savaran, the French philosopher in 1826, said, tell me what you eat and I will tell you who you are. Yes. Food is who we are. And he said another phrase that was even more important. He said, the destiny of the nations will depend on how they feed themselves. So food is essential for human life, but is much deeper than that. Give us hope of a better tomorrow. Give us sense of community. Give us sense of peace. Give us sense that things are okay. That's why we must defend the right of every child in America and around the world to have access to food that empowers them to achieve every dream that a young boy or girl can have. Can you share what you're working on uh, in terms of applying the World Central Kitchen model to our COVID situation? And in particular, this bill that you are working on with Senator Kamala Harris, which is an escalation even further of your work in the world beyond running restaurants back in the day. It's called the Fit Act and was to put restaurants up and working, especially family-owned small restaurants, to make sure that between the federal government, NGOs like ours, and the local governments, the mayors are at the front lines, we will be able to activate the restaurants to take care of the local food needs. Elderly homes, homeless, hospitals, first responders. And imagine how amazing the federal government through FEMA supports the local needs one city at a time through local businesses where the restaurants are working. They can be paying salaries to the people. Locals know locals best. They know where the need is working in alliance with the local mayors, feeding the communities in need. In the process, the money goes into the economy. Restaurants can pay rent. People can pay food for their children and their rent at home. We can buy from local farmers. At the end, $1 is multiplied by four. This is smart, and that's what we've been trying to do. We have 2,700 restaurants total across 40 states. And at one point, we were doing 350,000 meals a day. We are already in the north of 30 million meals through this pandemic. And what we did was obvious. At the very beginning, many NGOs, Many of them run by elderly people. They had to be home because that was the safe thing to do. So many NGOs kind of shut down business at the early stages of this pandemic. Many hospitals, they had functioning restaurants because, well, they built the hospitals in the wrong way and the kitchens were in the middle of the wrong place. 
uh, or people didn't come to work well because public transportation ended or well because people were getting sick. So World Central Kitchen, first thing we did was start covering those needs. We've done hundreds of hospitals across America. We did all the hospitals in Manhattan, in Bronx, in Harlem, in Queens. We began going to the very forgotten communities, a lot of black communities, a lot of Latino communities. We began feeding elderly care centers. That's what we began doing, just covering the black holes of the system. And I'm very proud we did it because it was necessary. And we were able to apply our experience to tell Congress, we're showing you what has to be done. We are showing you what we should be doing. We reached through two op-eds, New York Times and Washington Post. We told the White House, if I was you, this is what I will do. We told Congress, if we were you, this is what we will do. We are testing it. We are already doing it. Support us to keep doing this work beyond what we are already doing. And so far, let's hope this bill will pass. But there's many other things that have to happen. To fit America can be done. It's political will. If Americans go hungry in the weeks and months to come, it's because we have had the political way to stop it. We cannot stop tomorrow the pandemic, but we can stop tomorrow hunger in America. If you were to define the word citizen, not as a legal status, but as a verb, how would you define it? <laughs> you know, citizen, I would say, is used to provide for the people you don't know the same you are trying to provide for your own. That should be the true meaning of citizenship. Uh, if you only think about your own, it's okay. It's okay you take care of your own, but you will never protect your children, your family, if you are not hoping to work hard to provide for others the same you are aiming for your own. Hey, I'm from Spain. I know about castles. Somebody that tells you that by putting your family inside four walls, your family is going to be safer. I, I like guns. You know, I, I shoot sometimes when I'm in Spain or here. Nothing wrong. I love it. But if you think like putting people in four walls and you just gonna, that's the way you're going to be protecting your family. Look at the Spain. We had castles and we were invaded anyway. But these really going to be providing you comfort and safety are not higher walls, but actually no walls and longer tables. Make sure you share the wealth of what you're trying to get on your own with others, and you'll be safer than you'll ever dream of being. So that's how we'll describe it. What must be good for you must be good for others. It's not I the person, but we the people. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. 
That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. I want to give some space to our live audience. We have a question from Kathleen. So this is an incredibly difficult time for human beings to do what we normally do, which is to come together physically. And it's something that is missing in all of our lives. So when we talk about, for those of us who may be in a vulnerable population or taking care of children, taking care of elderly, the kinds of things that we can do to help the organizations that you're talking about who do provide support to the food challenge. We have a program here in Portland, Oregon called Blanche House. So I've been getting people together to make sandwiches for them. I, I feel like there has to be more that we can do. So on your website, do you have a list of all of the organizations and restaurants so that we can expand our knowledge and our support even further because sometimes the only thing that we can do is get together a coalition of people and make sandwiches and take them to Blanche House. So even more specific things that we can do in our isolation to help. 
other than write a check. Yeah, I mean, the, the complication of asking everybody to do food and deliver, obviously everybody can do that, and I think this is great, but also we need to be careful. I remember in the early days of the pandemic that a lot of random people were bringing food to hospitals. Actually, that was not the best for the hospitals because they already were going through hardships and to have to be handling people that in good will, they were trying to bring food every day was creating some mayhem in some hospitals, as you may understand. That's why for us to organize it in a systemic way that everybody knows at what hour you are delivering to whom you are delivering and you bring chaos out of the question. And, and this is very important. But one of the things that I want to mention that I'm very proud of the early days was Central Kitchen went to Yokohama to feed Princess cruise ship. 6,000 Americans, many Americans, 6,000 people, 18,000 meals a day in Yokohama. From there, we moved to Auckland to feed also another Princess cruise ship that were the two big cruise ships that got COVID. And from Japan, we already realized, even we were following what was happening in China. I was learning about how the restaurants in China were handling, how the food systems were happening. Were Chinese people in the middle of Wuhan running out of food? How are the distribution? So I began putting a lot of thinking in that. So by beginning of March, we got what we called the food safety for COVID-19. And we created a little puppet called Maski. Maski, M-A-S-K-Y, which is this guy with this big mask that he began telling all of us how to behave, how to behave in the restaurant, how to cook in the restaurant. In a moment, we didn't know how bad this virus was to keep distance, to wear gloves, to sanitation, washing hands, to wear the mask, to even wear glasses, but also how to deliver, how to do takeout, how to keep people waiting in line outside the restaurant six feet away. We did these circles in mid-March that Maskey will be telling you all the things everybody needs to know. And we did this across many of the places we were delivering food every day. Probably we've been delivering food, I don't know, in more than uh, 16th, 18th, at 1.20,000 places a day all across America. And for me, I wanted to use that moment to keep sending the message from early March about how we had to behave to keep everybody safe. One of the things I'm very proud is that of the 2,700 restaurants we've been having with us, we didn't have to close one. We kept everybody safe, everybody doing good, everybody healthy. This to me was very important because in the early days, I had a lot of pressure on, man, what happened if something happens to somebody because I'm asking them to cook. Obviously, everybody we have cooking in my restaurants or through World Central Kitchen, they are volunteers and they do it with the heart. So the number one responsibility, what you can do is keep everybody safe when you do this. Make sure you keep doing it, that we don't bring our guard down. The pandemic is going to go still for a few weeks, few months. We need to make sure that we don't bring our guard down. We need to think that wearing a mask or wearing gloves or keeping distance shouldn't be because you are from one political party or another. should be because you are making sure that you protect yourself, but also you protect others from you. This is what is to be a good citizen. This is what is to be a good American. And every American I know, they don't want any bad to happen to other people. So, man, the only sacrifice we have to do is wear masks and wear gloves and keep distance versus soldiers, men and women, that they've gone overseas and put their lives at risk fighting for freedom of others and democracy 
and protecting America. Wow, this is the old sacrifice I have to do to keep moving forward. So this is important. This is one thing beyond feeling that we all should be doing to say wearing a mask shouldn't be political. Keeping distance shouldn't be political. Being respectful to others should be what a citizen uh, means. And being an American means that we, the people, we are going to look after each other. Uh, if on top of that, you are able to be doing feeling, that's, that's great. Go to World Central Kitchen, you'll see what we do. But we are not the only organization. The f- banks of America, the food banks, through Feeding America, they've done a great job, but they need to be funded by government. Write to your senator, write to your congressman and tell them, why are you not supporting with all the needs of every single food bank across America? School lunches, they should be increased, not only to feed children, but also to feed the family of the children in need. Make sure that every school becomes the heart, the Trojan horse for good of the community. Write to your senator and to your congressman and tell them, support school lunches initiatives. Make sure that every elderly home is fed in the right way, protecting the people so we keep them in safe heavens and we don't lose any more elderly because the careless leadership in the early days of this pandemic and we let them alone. Is many ways we can keep helping. One of them is keeping everybody safe and telling others to keep everybody safe by doing the same you do. And more important, keep writing to your senators and your congressmen and tell them to feed an American in need is not a Republican or a Democratic issue. It's an American citizen issue. Feed everybody through this pandemic and maybe we'll move away from this pandemic stronger, uh, no weaker. Jose. I cannot thank you enough for sharing of your extraordinarily in-demand time with us here at How to Citizen with Baratunde. You have modeled so well what it means to citizen, proving and living out what you've asked us all to do, that what's good for you is good for us all. And thank you for living by the words that you've just shared. Peace, love, muchísimas gracias. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you, my friend. Mi hermano, te quiero. I've got to cut in here uh, just for you, listener, and let you know what's about to happen. So we were in the Zoom. Jose was saying thank you, and I love you, and tranquilo. And the live audience is very excited to have spent some time and gotten to ask some questions. And I'm about to wrap this thing up. I'm about to bring it home. And then Jose cuts back in. (laughs) I thought he was gone. I thought he was gone. And he cuts back in and he starts kind of pounding his fist on his chest. Uh, In a a loving gesture, he's pounding his fist on his chest. And he prepares to add one more thought to our interview about what we can do in the age of coronavirus. Uh, And by the way, this is the way we should be saying hi. Elbows, no more elbows. Everybody cough in the elbow. (laughs) And then we go giving elbows. Are we crazy? Are we crazy? If this is spreading, are we spreading it through our elbows? Never an elbow anymore. Elbows for coughing. You do this, and that's all the people need now. Man. Or, or, Or Wakanda forever, in honor of our already gone friend. But no more elbowing. And we are getting America injured again. Everybody is having an elbow issue. Are we crazy? And if you love a person a lot, you do three. 
but never elbows again. Are we stupid? We get too close with the elbow. Every time I elbow somebody, it's is kissing me. No, Hans is further away. Sorry, I had to, man. No more elbows. Are we not? <laughs> there's a elbow. There's a lot of things. Sorry. There's a lot of things I did not expect in 2020. And that just became the number one thing I did not expect. Jose Andres yeah. ranting against the elbow. Sorry, bump sorry. For sorry. amazing reasons. Sorry. No, no, no. Do not apologize. It's only that was one a elbow gift. you can do. Yeah. Elbow pasta. That's it. Is only. <laughs> That's it. Okay? That's it. All right, Armano. All right. <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> Yo, that was Jose Andres, chef, entrepreneur, humanitarian, big citizen, and defender of the realm of hygiene and safety when it comes to interpersonal greetings. So wonderful. I heard a lot there, and I just want to reflect <laughs> intuitively about it. We thought we knew why we wanted Jose to be a part of this show, because he has worked in a way that unlocks the capacity within the communities that he's attempting to help and not just distribute top-down aid upon them. And that came through uh, glaringly to me just now, that this is a well-thought-out, compassionate, and highly integrated system uh, that's not just I the person, but one that is run by, for, and with we the people. He said nothing is more powerful than local community, and the only real danger in those dangerous communities is not knowing what they really need because we're not listening. We're not asking those questions. Food waste is a problem, but wasting people is a much bigger one. And we have an opportunity to tap people to do more to help each other out in this moment that we're in. This idea that the meaning of citizen to Jose is that we essentially do for others as we want done to ourselves, but that we give to others that which we demand for ourselves and that we cannot secure ourselves alone, just like we cannot citizen alone. What's the point of being in a society? To build walls and bear arms alone is not going to bring us safety. Lower those walls and extend the table so that we all might be nourished, so that we all might eat, so that we all might feed on all the beauty that food provides us, which isn't just the nutrition. It's the love, it's the connection, it's the community. And that will allow us to show up stronger, literally, in all these other areas that we need strength for, especially now. Hey, you. It's me again, and it's just us. And whether it's Leanna and Caitlin from the LA Community Fridges or Jose Andres with the World Central Kitchen, we know that there are other ways for us to feed ourselves and take care of each other. If you've seen examples in your own community or been a part of them, please send an email to comments at howtocitizen.com and just let us know what you think in general about this episode. And now it's your turn to do some actions. In each episode, we love sharing things you can do internally and externally to strengthen your citizen practice. I don't want you to get all tripped up on memorizing what I'm saying here. One, you can always rewind, but we make this available visually at howtocitizen.com or even closer wherever you're listening to this podcast right now in the show notes of that app. 
for this episode, Feeding Ourselves Our Way, here are three things you can do. Now, the first is internal. It's kind of a journaling exercise. You can think it out loud to yourself. You can send yourself an email or voice memo or write longhand. But we want you to explore your relationship with different types of assistance, mutual aid versus charitable aid. And I want you to think about how comfortable you are in asking for help when you're in need. Think about a time when someone tried to help you with really good intentions, but they missed the mark because they didn't listen. Think about these and many other questions we have with more detail, again, in the show notes or howtocitizen.com. But I want you to get personal about your relationship with help, both giving it and receiving it, and whether you notice the difference when that help is mutual versus top-down. All right, so that's number one. Number two, external action. I want you to look into whether your community could benefit from a community fridge or some other mutual aid project, depending on what the actual needs are. I'm not going to say everybody needs a fridge because maybe everybody doesn't, but every community needs something. So we've posted some guides in the show notes and on howtocitizen.com, but see if this is something that you can start up or even better, join, join. Even typing in to your favorite search engine, mutual aid, and insert the name of your city or neighborhood, you may find something you can be a part of. So that's number two. Number three, and finally, lend your voice to ensuring that the FEED Act becomes law in the United States. This is the piece of legislation Jose Andres has been advocating for and spoke about with us. It allows FEMA to use already allocated disaster relief funds to feed people. It allows for local, state, and tribal governments to form contracts with local restaurants and nonprofits and small businesses to make and distribute healthy meals. And it's bipartisan. How often can we say that in these times? There's a House version and a Senate version, and they're stalled. They were part of a larger package. That package has been held up for too many reasons for me to get into. What I want you to do is call and have this thing happen. There's a phone number, 202-224-3121. That's the general switchboard. If you already know your rep's number, good for you. If you don't, check the show notes. We have resources to help you make your first call to Congress. Say your name, be polite, be direct, be respectful, and let's feed this country with the money and the food flowing through local businesses and local restaurants who are actually on the ground. If you take any of these actions, reflecting on mutual aid, creating or joining a mutual aid effort in your community, calling Congress to demand passage of the FEED Act, let us know about that. Send an email to action at howtocitizen.com. Include feeding ourselves in the subject line. And if you're feeling real excited, you can share some of this on social media too. Just use the hashtag howtocitizen. And we will lift up as many of those as we can through my accounts. If you liked what you've heard here and what you've been hearing in this series so far, please leave a review in your podcast app of choice. Give us the good rating if you're feeling that good about the show. And stay connected by signing up for my newsletter at baratunde.com. I announce the upcoming shows. I provide links to get you into those live tapings so you can ask questions and share your thoughts too. 
How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast. Executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stump, Elizabeth Stewart, and Baratunde Thurston. Produced by Joelle Smith and edited by Justin Smith. Powered by you. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 